Are you sick? Uh, yeah, no, my throat is fucked because I went to a party uh, over the weekend in London and shouted the entire time because of music. And apparently oh, my body was just not capable of dealing with one night of party. So I've just had a sore throat for days. That's true. That's how episode 31 of Morning Brew is going to be what's going to heal you. It won't. I've got, I've gone into withdrawal symptoms because I haven't recorded the podcast in so long. Hopefully that's this true. Snap me out of it. That's true. This is episode 31 of Morning Brew. I'm Adam Sharon. And I'm Daniel Purcell. And, oh, well, this is, uh, this is embarrassing. We seem to have lost the coast. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. We sent Steve out for snacks a few days ago and he hasn't come back yet. If anyone knows where he is, please tweet us at, more, at Media Suplex because we're getting worried. I mean, we did think at one point maybe he just has like a job to do. But then we realized, you know, that's not, they're clearly not true. Absolutely not the case. So we don't know where he's gone. Morning Brew is by the occasionally employed for the occasionally employed. If, if you're wealthy, he, get the fuck out of here. If he turns up at some point, he can just like edit himself into the episode with casual kind of reactions that kind of, you know, mimic what today's episode is about. And I guess that's fine. We'll all <laughs> accept it and we'll all move on and we'll start again next week. That's going to be like a, a cut in here now of just Steve going, what? And that's yeah. the only soundbite. And then he, then he has to cut himself ready. back out. He just has to make it like a pantomime. He just has to really just kind of squeeze himself in wherever he can. We should leave gaps just for that. What do you think, Steve? But yeah, so I guess there was obviously no podcast last week. Sorry sorry for anyone looking for it. It doesn't exist. It's a, it's a week late, um, which, you know, was unfortunately bound to happen at some stage. Um, <laughs> tried for it not to happen, but it was just unavoidable last week. Life is a bit crazy for everyone involved now, so just go and get one out. But maybe we'll also have one next week. Who knows? Speaking of speaking of life being a bit crazy for everyone, this I think is the the official pre-stag episode. So, but technically it'll be post-stag when it comes out because time. That's true. Everyone who's listening to this will just know that we are all dreadfully hungover, and that doesn't that- matter when you're listening to it from. This whole hangover will last for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, they'll figure out what's going to happen soon enough because it's very likely, Dan, that you're the only member left of the podcast and you just have to do a solo podcast from now on. <laughs> That's fine. Admittedly, it would make timing very easy. The Dangina monologues. It'd be great. I can edit as I go. I just, as long as I never, ever stop talking, I won't even have to cut out like silences or anything. It's going to be... <laughs> Everything is just a pause and a play. Yeah, exactly. I just like describing things I see. Welcome I did to- jokingly Seven. think about doing that last week. Um, doing like a 30 minute self-recorded thing and just putting it up but I did not do that it would it would have ruined it would have ruined our fucking our, our algorithms and stuff and I decided not to do it in the end you know when um when you hear of like celebrities being like yeah and you know everyone was gone and I was the only one there so I just started improvising on stage and you know, <laughs> yeah yeah it's like Steve Martin it's like, that's how I came up with the character from the jerk you never hear of like the 99% of times when the person doesn't become famous and absolutely fucks up their improv and it's the most awkward night of all time for them and the audience. I guess so, Kramer, right? Oh God, yeah, that is a... <laughs> <laughs> Instead of elevating comedy to a new racial form, he just wrecked his entire career. Yeah. Yeah, I man, mean, that's... It's, it's, assuming he had a career at that stage, because I sort of feel like... If you're the funny one in a lot of those kind of sitcoms, you essentially don't have a career afterwards. You just sort of do, you, do cameos every so often. Do you need to have a career at that point? You know what I mean? 
I think that I think the Friends cast had it right where they were like, yeah, we're retired. <laughs> like Friends ended and outside of Jennifer Aniston, everyone was like, yeah, fuck this, dude, we're out. <laughs> she went on to do movies and they were like, I got a lot of money. I'm good at this. <laughs> I'll retire. Definitely a point. Like there are definitely people who are involved in like a sitcom or whatever. You know, like one of those things where you make obscene money, you do it for six or seven years and then you're done. And I'm yeah. pretty sure a lot of them were just like, great, now I can be a carpenter or whatever they like actually want to do well like matt leblanc's whole thing was that when friends ended he obviously got the joey spinoff and um, which i think paid him like 30 million dollars or maybe even 30 million dollars per season it was obscene money absolutely obscene money and he did that and then he when that got cancelled he was like all right cool i'm gonna take a year off and then he ended up taking like nine years off because he just he enjoyed not working <laughs> he's like hey you know what's great where i don't have to work every day like that's this is awesome I'm, i don't I'm remember sorted. lines i don't have to do any comedy stuff i don't have to like do improvise i don't have to be in front of like a large group of people watching me perform on a daily basis he's like i can just like not work so and i was like cool watch my appearance i'm sort of convinced the guy from the sopranos as well the guy who played christopher in the sopranos uh michael imperioli did the same thing because he, I have literally seen him in nothing except like Sopranos cameos since then. Yeah, and actually yeah, I think most think... of the cast of the Sopranos did that. I think they figured being an overweight Italian guy isn't like the easiest career path to plug, and they were all doing it. Yeah. So a bunch of them now just show up at Sopranos conventions, and that's like their career. And is proud. that what the uh, is that what the guy from How I Met Your Mother did? The main guy, because I've seen him in one thing since that. It was something Ethan was watching, maybe Grey's Anatomy. And he was like a guest star in it. He was just like a guy, obviously, but he was the guest star for that week. And uh, I've never seen him or heard him in anything else since then. I think I'm in like one other movie. But yeah, he's like, because he's like, you know, generically handsome. And he clearly yeah. has enough comic timing. So he could easily have a career after that. And I don't know yeah. if he was just like, fuck it, I'm, I'm done now. See you guys I mean, later. that was the Zach Braff thing. Yeah, or the, the Frankie Muniz thing. We already spoke yeah. about that with Malcolm in the Middle today. I mean, besides Brian Cranston, they all were like, great. I have no Actually, money now. that's a perfect example. Frankie Muniz was like, hey, I'm done with television now. I have enough money. I've always wanted to be a rally car driver. And he went off and became a fucking rally car driver. It's like, all right, fuck it, dude. Why not? I think Steve McQueen did that. The guy, the actor from the 70s. I think he also was like, now that I'm a movie star, no one can stop me being a rally car driver. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was the other way around. I thought he was like a famous like driver and then he became an actor. What way oh, around? Maybe. I would way prefer that. That would be way cooler. Like... Yeah, I feel like driver is not is is probably this the celebrity who I would associate the least with being able to act. Like NASCAR. if Lewis Hamilton shows up in something, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. No, I think he he was an actor first, and then like when he was in his like 40s, he was like, great, the perfect time to become a driver. Okay, was he just associated with driving a lot? Like, did he just have he just a lot of some, yeah, famous driving movies? Driving. Yeah, exactly. He did driving yeah. movies, and he was like, this is great. This is my career now. <laughs> you, wish, you can imagine like Clint Eastwood doing that and just riding off to. <laughs> I'm going to be a cowboy outlaw. Yeah, law. <laughs> Sir, there are no lawless towns anymore. I'll make one and then I'll save it. He runs some fucking town in the middle of Spain into the dirt and then becomes an outlaw fucking cowboy. It's like, I've done that, it. <laughs> that is. So they, they filmed all of his early movies in Spain. Like they're, you know, in Almeria, which is like supposedly the Would make sense. closest to the West. So apparently he just was like was a no a nobody actor. He fucked off to Europe for seven years, came back and was like, "Oh, I'm famous. What the fuck? When did that happen?" Yeah, I would have. I I didn't know that for sure, but I would have assumed either somewhere in Spain or somewhere in like a New Mexico kind of situation where it's just like desert, and we can stick up a bunch of wooden buildings in the space of a week, and that's fine. And um, but that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. 
I, I would be interested to see, like, you know, which countries stand in the most for other countries. Like, I'm pretty sure Ireland stands in for, like, generic fantasy more than anywhere else because of all the tax breaks. Like, they just go yeah, to Wicklow and they just film around Wicklow and they film in the north. And they're like, great, there's Middle Earth or there's yeah. Alec or whatever the other... Well, the even, like, that, that fucking, like, the, the um, Luke Skywalker scenes from the, late, from the later um, Star Wars films were all filmed here, weren't they? Well, yeah, all the ones on the island, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think Morocco is basically every desert. Like, if you want desert, you film in Morocco or, or Tunisia. Yeah. Sorry, Tunisia is where they where they filmed. Uh, I think most of the like the yeah the Tatooine scenes. And then you have like fucking um, oh, you've ever seen that old map of Hollywood? I don't. They probably don't do this now that they can travel around the world. But there was like this old map of Hollywood from like the nineteen twenties and thirties showing California and showing where you film if you want like different. Uh, oh, really? And it's like, you know, some of it's like the jungle is, you know, the southwest. And if you want um, the the northeast of America or you want England, go here. But one of them is Wales. <laughs> go here. And this bit of California looks specifically like Wales for all of those movies set in Wales that we're filming right now. Um, you're like desert and then Wales. Those are, those are the two types of, of, of movie settings. Let's see if I can find yeah. this. That makes sense. Yeah, Hollywood's a weird. Hollywood's its own fucking beast. Um. And also, like you'd you'd imagine getting a taxi in in LA would be a very simple sim- simple situation because there's fucking fourteen million cars. Um, I think there's something insane like there's three cars for every one person uh, in Los Angeles is the way it works out with the amount of cars on the road. Something fucking nuts like that. That does sound very very upsetting. I don't know if I, every time I look at like any like anything set in Hollywood, I'm like, this looks terrible. This looks like an awful place to live. Well, LA's a fucking dump. California's lovely. LA's a dump. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I could, I could picture myself living in almost any big city. Um, it doesn't even have to be a gigantic city. Just like any any like developed city, I, I could definitely picture myself living. I would hate to live in Los Angeles. It is like the opposite of what I like in almost every fucking direction. Everything costs money, and there's still nothing to do. You still you've somehow spent forty dollars and you haven't gotten anything to do. Everything is gray and brown. There's no, there's no like life of anything anywhere. It's awful. Like it's really, I don't understand why people love LA so much. Like I, I really don't understand it. And it's like just we were there, right? I guess so. Don't... I guess because it's just a big city, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Like there's so many lovely California cities that are like so much nicer and so much better, and they don't cost like sixty dollars for a hamburger. It's like I just don't, I don't get this. This is crazy to me. I have, but, I, um... have I have the map up here. Okay, so by Los okay. Angeles is the coast of Spain. Then you go down a few kilometers, it's Wales. Go down okay. a few more kilometers, it's Venice, Italy. And go down a few <laughs> more, and it's Holland. So I'm wondering, did these old-timey movie producers ever actually go to Europe? Africa <laughs> comes up like three times here. There's Africa, South Africa, the Sahara Desert, and then Sherwood Forest. That's <laughs> the most specific location. I don't know how many Robin Hood movies they were making. <laughs> Must have been a lot, I guess. Have their, own, <laughs> have their own classification. There's the New England coast and New England, and there's the coast of Spain and Spain, and they're both separate. And there's the Sahara Desert is right next to a lake, so I feel like I feel like that's the obvious thing you don't want when you're filming the Sahara. <laughs> water, <laughs> very clear body of water where you can ignore hydrate. the ocean. It's, it's ignore that. That's the, the Mediterranean. Oh no, yeah, man. I don't know. It's yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess that's the earlier point. I guess that's the better. That that's the more. The more healthy side of Hollywood, right? The guy that's like, "Hey, I'm done. <laughs> I have enough money. I'm out." Like the Kurt Cobain thing, but like right? not insane. What? What? You mean like um? Where he wanted name. to make three million dollars and then just do heroin and retire? 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, like, first of all, $3 million is not enough to keep up a heroin habit. Like, (laughs) that is not enough money to keep that lifestyle going, dude. That's fucked up. Turns out it was enough to keep up Kurt Cobain's heroin habit. He knew how long he'd need it for. (laughs) That's why he got to that point. He's like, "Ah, I'm all out of heroin money. (laughs) I only have bullet money left. (laughs) (laughs) One, One dollar for one bullet. The good old Hollywood days. Yeah, that Kurt Cobain documentary went to see was really interesting. But I think the one thing it really emphasized, this is Montage of Heck. It came out a few years ago. People should definitely see it if they can find it. Oh, it was very good. I know there was another Nirvana documentary or Kurt Cobain documentary out around a similar time. And from what I've heard, it's not as good. But Montage of Heck was very, very good. I liked it a lot. But that's one of the better documentaries. The one thing that it really emphasized was that he didn't have a plan. He was just sort of like, yeah, I'm going to. I don't plan on being alive in my 30s, so I'm just going to spend my money like that. Also hated Dave Grohl. Very apparent. Yeah. yeah. I know Dave has made it like, you know, clear at multiple points that like, you know, Kurt wasn't his biggest fan. But when you see that that movie, you realize very quickly like, oh, he really just did not fucking like Dave at all. Like he <laughs> he does not like Dave Grohl. He has a real problem with Dave Grohl, which I don't really understand. Because every time I see Dave Grohl, he seems like the nicest dude. Everyone <laughs> seems to like him. And also, you assume that, like, you know, you can't have a, a, a really high level of hate in the band and have the band continue, you know? Like, like yeah. John Lennon and Paul McCartney famously didn't get on, wrote songs about how much they didn't like each other. But also, that was only over periods of time. Like, generally, they got on fine and they were able to record together. So, yeah. you have someone with that, like, outspoken hatred, that, like, that kind of, like, bubbling over disdain for someone else. How can you stay in the same band as them? If you're Dave Grohl, how do you stay in the same band? That's the only the only letdown from Montage of Heck uh, is that Dave Grohl wasn't available to do filming for it. Because um, he came out afterwards and said, like in interviews, he was like, no, they did ask me. I did try and make it work, but schedule-wise, it just didn't pan out. I couldn't do it. I would have really liked to have seen him either open up about that or try and like word it in a very nice way because his ex-bandmate is dead. And this is a documentary about him. I, I would have been really interested to see that side of it. Um, that's the only unfortunate part, was that was that Dave Grohl couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess Dave Grohl, yeah, I've heard him described as the modern Paul McCartney and not in like a songwriting sense, just okay. in the sense that he is very, very intensely aware of public perception and makes a very strong effort to be perceived a very particular way. Yeah. So like, even if you look at the narrative control he has over the fact that he's got fallen out with so many members of the Foo Fighters and just kicked them out and brought in other people, like, yeah, you know, and then like, the equivalent being Paul McCartney, who's been interviewed for years and almost has like preset stories that he tells about the Beatles that portray him not in a perfect light, but in a plausibly good light, you know? Yeah, and I think I think Dave Grohl is sort of like that, you know, you'll interview him like, why'd you fall out with that drummer? Oh, you know, we were different people and I, I was younger then. I think I was a bit too controlling in the band and blah, blah, blah. But essentially trying to portray him as like the good guy of rock and roll. Which yeah, sure. He is seen as. I mean, like, I think he's probably the most popular person in rock in that sense, like the least disliked. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because people like, people really, really like Dave Grohl. Like, he's a very, very popular, like, just personality. Even though he's not like, I wouldn't call him the most interesting personality I in like terms I, of the music if were, scene. If you were impersonating him, I don't really know what you do. I don't know what his like his character that you'd satirize is in the way that you could definitely do the same for like Jack Black or someone. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm really I, like he's just kind of there. He's like he's a little bit vanilla, if anything. But yeah. uh, I mean, I guess Nirvana breaking up though 
um, and and Cobain's death probably ended up really well for him career wise, because yeah, that is awkward. Do you feel sad about Kurt's death, or do you, do you are you are you pleased that you know yeah. it's catapulted you to another level of stardom? Well, because like you you always think about it, right? And you think like you know if Nirvana had have stuck around, like if Kurt had have like gotten clean or even not gotten clean, but hadn't have hadn't have passed away, had have had have kept going music wise and stuff. You just kind of think like I mean you would have kind of always been their Nirvana guy. You would have been stuck with Nirvana, but then like you know you have the fact that obviously Nirvana ends and he opens up with the Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters, hugely successful. And um, to the point where like, I guarantee I know people in my life that wouldn't even associate Dave Grohl with, with Nirvana. Um, like, most, easily. It's almost becoming like a, a quiz question. It's like, what was Dave Grohl's first band? Yeah. Oh, like, like I, I wouldn't even be shocked. Like I know people that are big Foo Fighters fans. And if I said Dave Grohl and Nirvana, they'd have no idea. Like they'd be really, like, they'd absolutely wouldn't know. Um, and like, you know, you look at that and then you look at the fact that he did Probot, which was just like, hey, I want to make a heavy metal album, but I want to do one in the style of every single heavy metal song I loved growing up and get them on as guests. So he had that whole like album, which was like incredible. And then he has like, you know, all of the different acts that he signs and managed to like get them albums and stuff like that. Then you have like all the other stuff he does. It's really like his career, like really, really like took off. Especially Nirvana. Because, like, I think it's really rare to have you know a musician who is in two huge huge iconic bands and yeah. where like the two bands earn their fame kind of separate like you can say again paul mccartney beatles and wings but wings yeah. are sort of famous because paul mccartney was in them yeah Whereas, yeah i'd like, also say that foo fighters and nirvana are very very different types of music yeah. too like completely different i think i think probably the best other example i can think of is damon albarn going from blur to gorillas which are also super different types of music yeah People didn't really know you know the fame of blur didn't make gorillas more famous they kind of they both earned their own fame on their own right True. and i think like it's a, it's a surprisingly because you know people go into other bands all the time you yeah. know people people leave their band found a new one but it's very rare that it seems that like they actually succeed the other classic example is um uh joy division after um Dustin, uh, after the lead singer after ian kerr has killed himself the other members became new order which is like a completely different type of band again. Yeah. And they, but I, I, like, I think there's a few examples, but it's very fucking rare. It's like, it's surprisingly, because you think if you're talented, you're talented. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, like even, I guess there's even stuff like um, Jack White and, you know, he's famous on his own right and for the White Stripes and the Raconteurs. But I sort of think a lot of that is just Jack White being famous. You know, the yeah. White Stripes was so much about him. The Raconteurs was so much about him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Pete Doherty's another one because obviously you have the Libertines. And Baby Shambles, right? Yeah, but they're like the same band. And also, I feel like Baby Shambles were famous because whenever they talked, whenever there was a news report about Pete Doherty on drugs, they'd say lead singer of Baby Shambles. Yeah. I don't know a single Baby Shambles song. Baby Shambles is really a case of like, well, I can do the Libertines again if I wanted. And he went and did the Libertines again. <laughs> like, that's all Baby Shambles is. And actually, the Libertines is a really good answer to the previous thing about bandmates who really fucking hated each other. Like, I think yeah. the two of them, Carl Baratz, Carl Baratz, yeah, I think so. That's yeah, Carl Baratz. Yeah, and Peter Hardy really fucking hated each other. Like, they, they could yeah. basically record, I think, for only like a few days at a time before they had to go and cool off. Yeah, I think they. I think it's mostly because they were very close, and Pete Doherty being like a fucking lunatic off his mind on like God knows what he was taking at the time. Was just kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, well, fuck this guy. I don't want to hang out with this guy anymore. Um, but I mean, you know, that last album they put out after he got clean, that was a very good album. I remember someone said to me before, 
they they had asked like they said like oh do you know how you know that he's clean now and I was like well how and they're like because he's a big fat fuck and I was like well yeah there you go I guess you can really tell that he's not on the coke anymore <laughs> I guess that's the clear sign when he's put they're on not, 60 pounds he's obviously replaced the coke with something else they're not wrong I yeah mean, um... well that's it although Artie Lang hit it well <laughs> Artie Lang went from being very slim to being a big fat fuck and also on coke and heroin See his nose caved in recently? What? Yeah, oh, from all the years go- of coke. Do I want to Google this? No, you don't. I'm going. No, his nose like collapsed. It like sunk into his face. It's like he sucked it in. Oh god, I I've googled this. Why have I googled this? That's really upsetting. Oh god. <laughs> uh. You know what's more upsetting about it? I think Artie Lang is very funny, and I think Artie Lang at points in his life has been very just kind of accidentally woke like he was like even when he was out of his mind he was defending the things that needed to be defended and speaking out well and like i'm not a huge howard stern fan i don't know how much shit he said that's that's you know completely off the cuff and derogatory and all the rest of it but i've heard a lot of stuff from him where i've thought like man you're just like kind of this side actor that i've seen in some stuff and you know i i haven't seen any of his comedy or anything but then like you hear him and you're kind of going like oh yeah that's that's really like like on the nose. Like you're really like you know he's he's up to date with certain things, but then you kind of see it and like his nose caved in and stuff. And you're just kind of thinking like, that means he's back on coke again. You know that's really fucking sad. That like this is the rest of your life. Like you're gonna hear this every few years till he's dead. Is that this guy's constantly bouncing back to drugs? Like he's never gonna be not on drugs. And it's a real it's a real uh, it's a real shame. One of those things you wonder is because I guess you associate the dr- drug addiction with physical decline and early death and kind of almost that it should be obvious but i'm convinced that there are a hu- there must be a huge amount of hollywood celebrities i mean uh, you know non-celebrities too but i guess just in the context of it being someone in the public eye people who essentially will be on drugs for their entire lives you know they'll die in their late 60s 70s it won't be obvious that's what caused it but you know they're not yeah. going to overdose and die but there's people who would it, well, it, it, you know it, it's the, I, I think it's always portrayed as get clean or die of an overdose, but there's definitely that middle ground. I mean, look at Iggy Pop. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? that's a great example. Yeah. Iggy Pop, who's just embalmed himself with every fucking substance he could find, and now he's just a living zombie. He's the only person in the dead don't die that didn't need makeup. <laughs> they just put him on screen. I don't know. I I sort of feel like that was just genuine Bill Murray, even when he was playing the zombie. Fully decrepit. <laughs> also... Uh... I'm glad Steven's not here so we can talk shit about that movie again. What an awful piece of shit fucking movie. I feel like like this is a too obscure movie to fully hate. Like, if we were shit-talking G.I. Joe, which is one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen, people would have a reference point. But I feel like we're part of the seven people who saw The Dead Don't Die. So three of us are on the podcast, so we're aiming this for the other four guys. That is true. That is true. It's just That was very disappointing. We seen the trailer for that. We went to see Thunder Road. Which, if anyone is thinking, do I watch Thunder Road or watch The Dead Don't Die? Watch Thunder watch, Road because yeah, Thunder Road Thunder. is fucking fantastic. And that film has a new is movie great. Out now the dude Jim Cummings, he has a new movie out where he plays like a Hollywood agent whose life is falling apart as part you know of his what? genre of people's lives falling apart. <laughs> but the the worst thing is, I I can't find Thunder Road anywhere. I've tried to buy it. I've tried to rent it. I've tried to stream it. It's not it's not available in in Ireland. I cannot find this fucking movie. I want to show it to Eva. I want to watch it again. So to the listeners, if I had to describe the movie in a single sentence, the movie is about a man whose lives fall apart because of how bad a eulogy he gives. That's just, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. They sort of like play it naturally and stuff comes up over time, but functionally, he does something really embarrassing at the start and never gets over it. Yeah, 
And then it like progressively just kind of no, it doesn't even steep decline. It very slowly declines exactly where you're expecting it to go over the course of like an hour and a half. Like you can see it coming and it just keeps going. Like, like his boss being like, I wouldn't have believed he could do that. But after that eulogy, I believe anything. <laughs> it is a great, that's such a great movie. It's uh, honestly, people should go check out Thunder Road if you can. I've tried, I've tried to rewatch it and it's like impossible. But if you could check it out, if it's near you, if it's on on DVD, Blu-ray, if it's on, if it's on iTunes or whatever, check it out. It's fucking it's such a good movie. It's so funny. I've thought of the classic example of two bandmates who hate each other. And the fact that I didn't think of it earlier is deeply embarrassing. Okay. Because can you guess it? It's like an English band. Okay, I was going to say it's an English band. Oh, the fucking Gallagher's. Yeah, the iconic. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> like, I think like they hate each other more than they like anything else. I think yeah. they just they enjoy. I, I'm convinced that they made like their last few albums just to like annoy each other. Yeah. They just have the opportunity to prank each other in hotels and shit. I love the contempt that they speak of each other with. <laughs> you also have to wonder at a certain point, though. Like, it's so coordinated that you have to kind of think, like, are they? is this, like, their shtick? Is this their act? Like, their gimmick is that they're, like, in order to stay relevant, they're two feuding brothers, and the whole time they're just, like, having a Sunday roast or whatever. Well, so this was sort of going to be my topic, which is kind of, like, how we just sort of accept a vague level of authenticity for any sort of celebrity interaction when actually it's filtered through so many layers of PR that, yeah. like, you can't really know. Like anything True. anyone says, they see them on hot wings and that seems more authentic than anything. Else. But it's still, no, they've been drilled on what to say. This isn't the first interview that they've done. They're going through loads of them. You know, they've got something to plug. It's always, I always think it's like, you know, the facade is like at its thinnest on like fucking Jimmy Fallon or something where he's like, oh, I heard you learned how to play the guitar over, over lockdown. And then someone brings out a guitar and starts playing. Oh, the guitar was yeah. just there. You know, who could have seen it? Or like the, the, uh, Daniel Radcliffe alphabet aerobics thing. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, like, oh, I've I've heard that you can rap and like they play alphabet aerobics. And it's like, well, you know, uh, come on. <laughs> we don't have to do the shtick. We all know what's coming. Just fucking do it. And especially like, I'm convinced that in nearly every case, it's not even their PR person being like, okay, Daniel, what's something, what's something interesting about you? What talents do you have? They're told, okay, here's an easy thing you can learn to do over a few weeks. And then you'll go on Kimmel and you'll do it. Yeah, probably. Well, because like you have to like you also have to think about stuff like the, like the Fallon stuff with the um lip sync battle things. Like I know lip sync battle is now a TV show, but like lip sync battle was originally just a sketch on Fallon's show. He would get his celebrity friends on, and they'd you know they'd memorize a, a part of three different songs, and they'd do that on the on the show itself. But like you like you know. Obviously, they've been told this weeks in advance because they have a whole fucking thing memorized. They've memorized three songs. <laughs> like they're perfectly lip syncing three different songs. Games? How novel! What a fun idea for you to you bring know what I mean? on. Spring and then, on me. And then they walk up and they're like, oh, "I guess, like, uh, you know, I guess I'll do Taylor Swift's." Then it's like the band would have to know the song. Like, <laughs> there's so much involved here where it's like, you know, this is really contrived. But it's, it's not even the game. No, it's like it's even stuff like where they bring up a topic and you can see some celebrities either aren't very good at segueing into their topic or yeah. are just like the shit where it's like, so what have, what are you up to now? Well, I tell you, I've gotten very into, into rock climbing. Here's my funny rock climbing story. And then that's well, like four minutes of the show. But it's like it's that was uh, obviously Norm MacDonald's passed away recently. Um, but I was watching people were posting loads of threads of, of Norm on like different uh different like talk shows and stuff like that and like you know, talking about how like they grew up with 
with him as their favorite comedian and like here he is on this talk show and this is their favorite talk show segment of all time and stuff he was legitimately probably the best talk show guest i've ever seen in my life from watching those clips i had never really seen much of his stuff like on that stuff and like he's so good like he's so like he's so quick-witted and he's so on the ball with it and like he's he's just such he's like a perfect late night guest you know, I know I, he had a temporary late night show and that got canned or whatever, but like he's a really good guest to have. Like he's a really, really I good do, guest. I do sort of think they have like a rotation of comedians who they know, okay, you don't really have to prep anything. The host isn't going to learn your topic. They'll just have a jumping off point and you can do whatever. Like, yeah. I, I'm convinced um, who the, any of the impressionist comedians, like Bill Hader or anyone like that, they're just like told, the host is just told, okay, just mention impressions and then they'll just do impressions you know, directing themselves for five minutes and then you're sort of... Yeah. I, I sort of think that's like with McDonald where he's just like, I'll say funny stuff. I have some ideas in my head. Don't worry. Did you ever see, uh, there was a clip, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. I'll post it in the link dump for anyone, for anyone listening to this. Um, it was him on his, he apparently had a podcast for a while um, and he had one sponsor, which was like the Man Grill or something like that. And it's... <laughs> The whole time is like him basically shit talking their only sponsor, and then the clip ends with him talking about how how Mangirl has dropped him as a sponsor, and they're not legally allowed to talk about them anymore. <laughs> it's such it's such a great clip. I feel like that was his appeal was that kind of capacity yeah. to say anything, and like you know whatever the consequences were. I just I, I love the idea that he forces himself into a podcast, is making no money off it, gets a sponsor, and then shit talks the sponsor so bad he's not legally allowed to bring them up anymore. So now he's back to making no money. What did he say? Like how bad he was just, the shit talk? It wasn't too bad, but he was very clearly just like making fun of the fact that he was advertising the man grill. And like, you know, they obviously didn't like it. And after like a while, they caught wind of it. And they're like, all right, fucking pull this. Fuck, fuck Norm MacDonald, pull this. Fuck this guy. Oh, in fairness, I'm sure neither one of them are still around today. Norm MacDonald. <laughs> Some, someone, uh, someone also posted, I think one of the funnier tweets after his death was someone posted one of his stand-up, his uh, stand-up um, recordings and one of his segment on... Uh, on it being great to be alive. <laughs> they posted the screenshot of that and they went, huh, Norm MacDonald hasn't really aged well, has he? <laughs> Which I think was, was probably the funniest thing because my timeline was flooded with people just sharing like outrageous amount of loves for this guy. And then this one guy being like, ah, this hasn't aged well. <laughs> just in the middle of it. It was fantastic. If, if, I, if I die, I want people shit-talking me more than I want people praising me. In fairness, I feel like a guy like Norm would have thought that joke was very funny. I think he would have laughed a lot at that joke. I think he would have found it very funny. I guess it's like um, when Graham Chapman died and all the Monty Python spent most of his funeral being like, what a bastard. I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> well, you know, you just, you just gotta know where the limit is. You know, that piece of shit Stephen's not on today's episode. You know, I can't say that I'm any worse for wear about it, to be quite honest. But also, he'll never listen to this, so that's perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, and it'd fuck. be the same. It'd be the I've same got if he to was edit dead. this one. It'd be the same if he was dead. We'd have hundreds of episodes shit talking Stephen, and he'd never be able to rebut. So we're we, we're really we, good at that point. We'd pivot entirely into a Stephen shit talking podcast. I mean, I'm just saying, right? We'd go straight to a trait. Stephen is gone today, but what has happened in Stephen's absence? We did miss a podcast. However, I am now officially a Guinness World Record holder. Look at that! Whoa, Look at that! Official attempt. Yeah, that's Whoa. right. It actually was. It actually was a successful 
world record. We officially got the callback the other day. But yeah. I, I feel like putting attempt on that's very undermining. It was because they couldn't verify it beforehand. So I, I basically just took part in this community event thing where they tried to have it's it was basically a, it was a virtual uh, a virtual running event thing. So they wanted to have the most worldwide people compete a run in a certain amount of time. And um they out of an awful, awful lot of people that did it, they had forty thousand completed submissions and Guinness ruled out like fifteen or sixteen thousand of those. They were like, ah, nah, <laughs> cutting that right out. So there was about 25,000. What, what did you have to do? Because I feel like I would like a medal, but I'm not willing to do the run. So how do uh, I fake that? So they just have to... So it's, they have a very specific app that they use to track. And you have to submit that uh, that like data to them. And then they'll verify it. And then they, they go from there. Um, it was an app. It was an app powered by Adidas, apparently. I was forced to download it. I wasn't allowed to submit any other way and then I immediately deleted it. <laughs> and I will probably never use it again because I'm never going to put money into anything like that. But oh. I keep telling people in work now, it's like, well, you know, I'm technically an official Guinness World Record holder now. What the fuck have you done this week? You keep getting that, real mad at me. You got to put that in your CV. It's like the equivalent of saying you're a Times Man of the Year in 2010 <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> Former Times Man of the Year. Former Man of the Year is way funnier than Man of the Year. I still wonder how much you can lie on your CV. I don't know if anything I've ever put on my CV, which hasn't been lies, but I don't know if it's ever been verified. Like, I don't think anyone has ever contacted my former employers. Um, I, for my current job, it's the first time I've ever seen a reference get contacted. Um, they specifically asked for our reference that was uh, in, like, they had a certain criteria. And they did actually call them because that reference got in touch with me to be like, hey got a phone call over this, this is what I said to them, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they came back. But that's the only time I've ever seen it. No one's ever but called you, a reference of mine. No one's ever checked anything. No one's ever no, double-checked anything. No one's ever anything. asked for, yeah, like you could say that you got a PhD in a quantum physics yeah. from well, MIT. That's the other thing. I used to do a background check for my current job, but nobody even asked for the college papers. They just they just took all of that on, the, on my word of it, and they just asked for the other stuff. And I was like, all right, yeah, fair enough. so falsifiable. Yeah. What Which is kind of weird because I've heard people be apply and we want a PhD in astronomy, <laughs> a master's in ancient linguistics, and they all have to be from either Oxbridge or Ivy League. But we won't check. <laughs> Media Suplex will never ever hire anybody that does not have at least a PhD. We're also not going to verify that, but we demand the lie. We, we demand the lie. <laughs> we'll just that is what I want. You. you need to I'm be a certain amount now. of smug. If we ever put a job advert up, it will have master's or PhD as a requirement. And if you do not lie to say you have one, there is not a fucking hope we would even look at that application. We're lying you know. about the pay, so you may as well <laughs> lie about the qualifications. We'll pay you uh, in Fanta Orange. <laughs> we'll, play, we'll play in Club Rock Shandy with the bits in it. <laughs> so how, how did you get your medal? Did they send it to you? Did you have to like go to a central location to get it? No, they just they just sent it out. I uh, I it's actually weird that I just it. sent it out. I feel like I don't. I, I feel like this is the child of me speaking, but it feels like it should be valuable. I don't know. Like it should be sent by at least certified post. Yeah, I mean it's a very nice it's a very nice medal. You know, it's it's got all their little their official symbols and all their trademarks and stuff on it. But it's you know it's it's just their their crap. But um, no, they all got sent out. Now I did that. I did the KBC marathon last year, and they sent out theirs in the post as well. Um. Yeah, I think in just an envelope, actually. I think it was just wrapped up in an envelope with a bit, bit of paper around, and they're like, ah, it's fine. We'll fucking get there. It's like, all right. I mean, yeah, you're right. It will. I was in London over the weekend when the London Marathon was on, and what it meant was that we couldn't access any of the places we wanted to go because you can't cross the street for like two hours. Oh, 
I didn't even think of that. So that was all done in person now, eh? They're all they were back officially out in the street. Yeah, it was mad, to be honest. They basically so, in London have given up any attempt at policing people. People are supposed to wear their masks and public transport, but they weren't. So I just had to wear it myself and stand as far away from anyone as I could. So this is my this is my point, right? I was talking to Eve about this um recently, and I don't understand why the distance rule is still pretend enforced when everywhere is non-distance compliant anyway. Can we not give that up? Whatever about the other things, can we just can we move on from the whole distance thing? Because no one like we don't follow it. Like even people on TV where they're like six feet apart on television, it's like, but you guys can go for a coffee and like sit on each other's lap. I don't why I don't understand why we're still pretending. Like why 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 are we doing this? Just stand beside each other. I, I'm really confused. It really confuses me. I guess it's true of anything. Like it's like you know at the moment that you can only have tables up to six people. And so when I was booking a table in a pub for your. Uh, stag when we have seven people i was like oh fuck this is gonna be difficult no no i was like yeah we can hear seven of course here we'll see here so yeah i'm not gonna mention where so i'm not i'm no i'm no rat i mean in fairness this comes out afterwards so if you Uh, tell me now i'll already know by the time this comes out i've already told you where to go (laughs) this is coming out in the future so i'll already be finished with the stags and then back back home by the time i listen to this so i won't even know until monday The reason Steve isn't on this podcast is because he's going to die in the stag. I do feel like that's the reason why we can't get in touch with him. (laughs) It's because he's dead. I feel like he's out training for the stag. I feel like I brought up recently that I had a friend. I shouldn't say friend. I never liked him. Thomas, fuck you. Um, (laughs) I I knew a guy when I was in college who absolutely could not deal with alcohol, which is perfectly fine. You don't have to drink. (laughs) I know you feel like at 18 that you have to drink. You don't have to drink. No one has to drink. And... He used to do weird shit like say that like the proper way to do a shot is to sip on the shot glass. No, it's not. It's called a shot. You're supposed to down it. If you don't like to do shots or you can't do shots, don't do the shot. Just don't do it. We're all good. But he trained himself into doing shots. And what that entails, from my understanding, is just sitting at home alone and just taking a shot and trying not to puke afterwards. So I feel like Steven right now is sitting at home He's, you know, he's sitting with his mom. They're watching fucking Fair City or whatever they watch in the evening or whatever, like, cop show, Holby City or whatever they are. I don't know any of these shows. They're sitting around. Steven and his mom are down in Jaeger bombs. You see how many he can get into and stick it down. I feel like that's what's going on. He did say he wanted to start drinking from 12 o'clock tomorrow. Why would he need to train for this? He already, he can drink. He knows what he's... Yeah, Stephen's very hit and miss when it comes to alcohol, though. You know, I've seen Stephen get really fucked up not to... I One time, I, I mean, I can bring it up now because he's not here. One time I went out with Stephen for New Year's and I was saying to Stephen, like, look, what do you want to drink tonight? We'll go in, we'll go in half, we'll buy all the ingredients, we'll just drink all of that tonight. And uh, Stephen said, white Russians. I went, okay, no problem. Let's drink a whole bunch of white Russians, ring in the New Year, fireworks, great, all good. So I... Go in, we get white Russians. I didn't give Stephen that much white Russian. Stephen got super drunk and fell asleep on a couch. I kept drinking white Russians all night. Then I woke Stephen up and I took him outside where he projectile vomited milk like he was in a fucking cartoon. It came out so fast and got such a distance that it hit a metal dumpster and like had a fucking cartoon like ping noise when it hit it. It was fucking insane. It was the most ridiculous puke I've ever seen in my life and it honestly looked fake. It looked like something from a movie, like a scary movie or something where they like vomit everywhere is what it looked like. 
It looked like in um, was that in, in The Exorcist when she like covers them all in the white shit. It oh, it was nuts. It was not. It came out like a perfect stream. Not a drop hit the ground. It was it nuts. Looked like, like in the movies when they clearly have a hose behind them and they're using yeah. out the hose. Amazing. Actually, what it looked like, it was absolutely incredible. I wish I had video of it. I do not. And then I had to somehow try and drag Steve into a taxi, which I mean, good luck getting a fucking taxi where you have a guy who like absolutely looks like he's going to puke at any minute, <laughs> which was my big fear because I'd already seen him vomit and I was like, shit, well, okay. No- so like we don't have that much time for drinking. The pubs all close at half eleven. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much alcohol Steve is going to be able to consume in five and a half hours. You know he's taking the day. Actually, to be fair, I Stephen he, wants to meet at twelve. He said this last week. Yeah, that's true. He, he t- I think he took a, thought it was an all day thing, so he took his he took the day off. And um, I feel like you're going to show up very very halfway there already at six o'clock. Me? Oh no, I'll be dead sober when I show up. I have things to do. I've I've committed a whole weekend to this stuff. I don't have time to not do stuff on Friday. I'm going to be busy. <laughs> I have the gym to do and everything. I have loads of stuff I need to get done. I have loads of wedding things to get done. I've uh, unfortunately more money to spend, so that's great. The best part about a wedding is the constant spending. Um, what are you still spending on this soon to your wedding? Well, we have some little bits and pieces we need to get. We have some like party favors and stuff. And we have some like the wedding cake topper we still need to pick up and little things like that. Some of the... Have you gotten um, the personalized wedding cake topper? Is it like... It's not personalized, but we just need to get one that matches the cake and the design of the cake. And um, your hair color. Yeah. No, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. You'll, you'll see you'll see what time we get to the wedding. But you got to pick up that stuff. And obviously, that's, you have to buy that yourself. And then we have some of the decorations that we need to pick up for the actual thing. Um, one of the ideas that we had, um, well, it, was, it was something that I've, I, I felt strongly of, is I want to get a... I want to have a, um, a Polaroid camera set up. Um, so that people can uh, have a snapshot of the night and we can then put that into like a scrapbook for people for the night of the wedding and stuff like that to go along with like the guest books and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that we have to pick up and do and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, just, you know, it never ends. It never ends. It's it's constant. You'll understand. You'll understand very soon. Yeah, that's true. And I'm going to have to do it in a foreign language. Let's see. <laughs> Which is crazy because neither one of you speak French. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of shows lately that seem to have a wedding episodes. So from what I've learned from that, my job as best man on the day itself is just to stop you fleeing the country. So that seems I'm not going to be able to do that. You're stronger than me. Well, that's why I'm looking forward to, to hire the, some goons. That's why I'm looking forward to the wedding weekend, because then I have no I have no um, commitments at all. I have no responsibilities. You're show up in like a Hawaiian shirt, sunglasses on, drinking out of a coconut despite it being yeah. November. Like, that's it. Like, I have nothing I need to do. All I need to do is get dressed on the Saturday morning and show up. That's it. I have no further commitments. Anything that needs to be done is either not getting done or is not getting done by me. So I have no problems here. I have no qualms. I have no issues. I have no worries. When I show up on that Friday evening, I'm out. That's it. I've checked out of this shit. I'm good to go. As you should say to Aoife the moment you arrive. (laughs) I'm checked out. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll wake me there. up wake me up when i get my shiny new ring and we're good to go <laughs> you're just doing this for the jewelry i do i do feel like i'm gonna it's gonna take me an awful long time to get used to wearing a ring i'm not a jewelry guy i'm not even really a watch guy no me t- me, me, me neither me too jesus christ um I, I whenever i have a ring on I'm, i always feel like uh i'm gonna break anything i touch because I like, I get the clink, and I'm like, oh no, I hit the table too strong. <laughs> I don't know my own power. I've cracked it in two. Well, that's why I was wearing that little rubber band thing for a while, 
to get used to it to train. Yeah, to just kind of like accept the fact that like you know I'll have to wear a ring on it. I have to take that off though. I have a, I have a fucking my skin's like weird and it started to I started to like cut into my finger skin and I was like okay I need to I need to take this away. Um, I don't I don't really want to have a fucking like rash or whatever from a fucking little rubber band that I found somewhere two Christmases ago. Hope the ring doesn't give you a rash. That'd be a bad omen. The moment that you is say true. I do, you burst into flames. <laughs> the can't... ring bursts into flames and everything else is fine. I can't take it off because it's too hot. I'll just leave it. Yeah, for the rest of your life. I, I won't shake your hand. I, have, uh, I knew I shouldn't have got the prank ring. ring. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have got it. No, thankfully, I, I spent a lot of money on getting a ring that wouldn't do that. Um, which also, it turns out, I share the same type of ring with my boy Frankie Munez. So, Frankie, if you're listening to this, make sure you do come on the podcast as a guest, like we've said before. You're more than welcome. We can touch rings together. We can touch our wedding rings together too, if you want. It's all, you know, it's all good. We're gonna have a good old time on Morning Brew, and maybe even episode thirty-two. Can you believe it? Maybe Frankie will be here. I feel like we could do a Frankie Muniz impression, and no one would know if it was right or wrong. Because <laughs> no know. one knows what Frankie Muniz. Sounds I don't think like. you know what adult Frankie Muniz. <laughs> and we have Frankie Muniz from twenty years ago on the podcast. <laughs> just play clips. We have we have a whole elaborate clip set up where we just cut into Malcolm in the Middle quotes so we can we can hear him. We treat him like he's a genius, like he is a Malcolm <laughs> in the Middle. We just give him math problems to solve. <laughs> okay, well, we should probably wrap up here because unfortunately we have a busy day. And um, this has been episode thirty-one of Morning Brew. Sorry that it's a bit of an odd one, but you know, hopefully next week we'll be back at full form. Um, or one of us will be dead and will be permanently a two-man boot. Who knows? It's crazy like that. All I, of right, course, have been Adam Sheridan. I've been Daniel Purcell. You can follow us at all the usual places. Make sure, though, that you do follow us on the podcast charts, such as iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you like it and share those because it helps tremendously. You would be shocked what a single like will do for the podcast. It really does put it hundreds of places up on the chart. Um, to the point where, recently enough, you guys got us in almost into the top 50 in all of Ireland. And we we were in a couple other countries' charts as well, pretty high. But we were almost in the top 50 in Ireland for not just comedy podcasts, but in general. So, you know, uh, make sure that you keep sharing that because as much as one like absolutely does make a gigantic difference, you know. Um, and, you know, we appreciate it. We we like it a lot. It's cool to see It's cool to see a little podcast that does not have a budget behind it showing up in the top 100 and almost breaking the top 50, especially when the 50 ahead of us are all people from giant multi-million dollar companies that pump a lot of money into advertising. So, you know, keep it up.